fans, and welcome to the Big Blue Box Podcast. My name's Gary. My name's Adam. And we're at episode 106. One day, I shall come back. Oh dear, we are in trouble, aren't we? I've reversed the polarity of the neutron flow, so the TARDIS should be free of the force field now. I have the advantage of being slightly ahead of you. Sometimes behind you, but normally ahead of you. The trouble with time travel is, one never seems to find the time. Change, my dear. And it seems not a moment too soon. Unlimited rice pudding, etc., etc. A meteor storm that the sky above us was dancing with light. Purple, green, brilliant, yellow, yes! I'm the doctor, by the way. What's your name? Rose. Nice to meet you, Rose. Run for your life. It's more like a big ball of wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey stuff. Just remember who's standing in your way. Look at the eyebrows. These are attack eyebrows. You can take bottle tops off with these. How do you do, fans? Hope you've had a cracking week and that you've managed to do something Doctor Who related in your lives. How have you been, buddy? I've been good, yes, thank you. Yeah, You've been, been on some good. travels, haven't you? Yeah, well, yeah, I just had a over-the-bank holiday weekend. Um, I just had a couple of nights in Verona. Oh, just a couple of nights in Verona. Oh, Verona. It was, uh, <laughs> it was lovely, actually. It was a, I've never been there before. Um, there's not a lot there, but it was a lovely, hot place. And, uh, yeah, really nice. But obviously got back and um, ploughed into the review app. And, uh, yeah, but it's been yeah, been nice, nice few days. Good to have a break. I love the way you just drop it in casually. Yeah, spent a went off, spent a couple of days in Verona. Right. Yeah, yeah, as usual. Yeah, it's just <laughs> yeah, nice right, to yeah. like yeah. Next I spent week, a, a couple of this days. This week, in, Verona. Next week, you know, <laughs> Hollywood. <laughs> Hollywood, you know, Monte Carlo, whatever it is. Yeah. I'd say I'd like to go to um, where is it they're having that big Who convention that I keep seeing all the brilliant guests being added to in the states new york is it, um, Comic-Con, is it? new york yep. new york is it yeah i'd like to go there yeah that would be nice would be mm-hmm. mm. capaldi yeah. is it capaldi there That's... is it i guess i know who do i see alex kingston matt smith i think karen gillen they're there aren't they yep. capaldi pearl mackey mm. pearl's there is she all right mm-hmm, yeah mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm. sure actually it reminds me have you seen these um filming pics of the, of pearl and peter and these um these crazy costumes. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like a sort of, um, well, we got to see a bit of this a couple of weeks ago, but these ones are different, aren't they? So you got like Peter in a top hat mm-hmm. and a purpley sort of cravat or something. That's right, yeah. Uh, yeah, intrigued by all this. Intrigued. Yeah. I saw a, really, saw a really cool picture that Peter, um, one of the fans asked him to, 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 for an autograph, and he actually drew a Mondas Cyberman um, and signed it you know peter capaldi apparently pearl was stood next to him just watching him draw it like wow which is really cool because i forget that peter's a bit of a an artist and he does does do little drawings and stuff so your doodle yeah doodle that's the word he is good yeah Yeah, but what a nice thing to have do you know i mean what a really nice little thing to Hmm. bring home a personal peter capaldi picture yeah i thought you're gonna leave it there a personal peter capaldi (laughs) yeah it would be good that yeah. would be cool. Yeah, it does. I'm very intrigued about some of the storylines coming up for Series 10. Yeah, but, I'm starting to get a bit of a buzz for it, yeah. You know, because on face value, they look like your, your average, you know, because uh, especially in the sort of the newer Doctor Who, we always mm. get a Victorian story, a Victorian episode, and we always get a, you know, so it, it looks kind of like they're going down this, but you never know, do you? You never quite know. Yeah, I know what you mean about it sort of, being a bit ordinary and then because the Moffat has said, isn't he, that he wants it to feel like a fresh show. Mm. So I keep expecting 
to see something that makes like my jaw drop on the floor, <laughs> like a new monster or something. And we haven't really seen that yet. Like you said, most of the stuff we've seen is pretty sort of run of the mill, what you'd expect. So, but mm. I am hoping, yeah, I, as he said that, I am hoping that he's going to throw some stuff in there that's going to be, you know, freshen up a bit, make yes. it look good. Yeah. Well, the danger mm. with that is last series when they did that, they showed some photographs of monsters, didn't they? And they turned out to be a bit wet. Oh, that I'm thinking of that thing that that lion, lion man, the lion man, which is from, oh, that's dreadful. And the green, I forgot the name of them. The green uh, monsters oh, were from the, the Ashilda, the first Ashilda episode. Yeah, yeah, the big tin. Yeah, well, you know. they looked great, didn't they? Yeah. And they didn't, as usual, didn't get used uh, at all. They they were a nice design. Mm. They were sort of um, yeah, a bit so different. Maybe they don't want to, you know, get fans of their expectations too high by really revealing monsters and stuff like they did last time too much i did see a little robot though i've seen a i've seen a picture of peter and pearl i uh, forget where it was they filmed now they went away to some foreign land to do oh, a bit yeah, of filming yeah and there was like a little white robot yes someone actually yep. get a picture of and i do always get always like a robot <laughs> so like a that robot. Was quite yeah do like a good robot um <laughs> uh, so yeah so not yeah apart from swanning away to to verona i've not really been out so much i did listen to the Sycorax, no, what's it called? Harvest of the Sycorax. Oh yeah, yeah, big finish from the from the uh, really old Doctors <laughs> and slightly new Monsters set. Uh, I actually quite enjoyed that one. Not bad, is uh, it? So, yeah, it's okay. Yeah, I thought the ending wrapped up a bit quick, but but um, yeah, actually quite enjoyed that. So I've only got the McGann one to go now. Oh, okay, um, right. Which is what with the Jadoon, isn't it? Santaran. Oh, Santaran. Oh, that's right. Yeah, Jadoon with the one before with Colin. Yep. Yeah. So that's that was quite good. Um, and apart from that, not much. I've watched our review ep. And uh, made a few notes. Um, it's quite interesting re-watching mm. the review app, actually, because it's. I'm looking forward to chatting <laughs> with you because it is. It's a strange one for me because as someone who loves the McCoy era, it's just one I never. It's the only one really that I never feel like putting on. So it was quite interesting to have to sit through it and make notes, and because I've always wondered why. Because <laughs> yeah, but we'll get into that in a in a bit. Really. Yes. So anyway, so that's been my my week. What about you, mate? What you been up to? Uh, yeah, not much really. Um. I do agree with you, though. When it comes to watching the McCoy stuff, it, ba- Battlefield isn't one that I instinctively reach for. Mm. So it will be a good a good chat on that one. Um, yeah, not much really. Obviously watched that and took some notes and so on. Um, I finally dug out the old uh, Doctor Who colouring book. Oh, so, yeah. That I picked up about mm. oh, three or four months ago now, quite a while ago. Yeah. Because um, I was looking I was looking for something else, like going through the bookshelf. And I was like, ooh, I haven't started that yet. Um, and that's got me hooked some, you know, colouring. I colouring. saw you got, you got a nice pack of colouring pens. Yeah, sure. sure. Yeah. Yep. Colouring pencils. Have you seen this no Doctor pens. Who? Oh, sorry. Colouring come pencils. on, come on. Um, have you seen this uh, Doctor Who cookbook? I have. Yes. I, picked, uh, I haven't bought it. I, I picked it up and had a flick through it in uh, in Waterstones the other week. Uh, <laughs> it's the kind of thing that I don't want to buy, but I kind of want it. So I might ask for it for Christmas because, do you know what I mean? I, like, I don't actually want to pay money for it, but part of me wants it because it's kind mm-hmm. of a novelty and it's quite funny, actually. Um, I'd love to get the original. I don't know if you've ever seen the original. Pertwee? Uh, no. Because um, no, he did what? a cookery thing, didn't he? John Pertwee. Did he? I'm sure I've seen that on YouTube. John Pertwee doing a cookery thing. Might not be mm. Doctor Who related. Anyway, sorry. Oh well, I don't know. I have to have a look for that. I didn't. Re- I don't know. You probably. Do. I can imagine it. it. Would be funny. Yeah. Um, no, no. They did like. I think it was in the eighties. It must have been. They did like a Doctor Who cookbook by um, uh, Gary Downey. I think it was. Uh, did hmm. it? Um, but uh, yeah, that sort of floats around on eBay for 
for a bit of dosh. Um, but I would like to get that just for nostalgic reasons. I think at the time it was a bit like, you know, they were clutching at straws of what they could bring out merchandise-wise. So that they they went with the cookbook. But it's very right. in now, isn't it? It you is. Yeah. Yeah. With uh, all the Bake Off and all that, everyone's into their cookery. So it's very in baking. Mm. Yeah. British Bake Off and all that. Indeed. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, not much else. Um, I really enjoyed reading through uh, Peter Davison's interview in the latest Doctor Who mag. Ah, do you know, I was going to say to you about that because yeah. um, I <laughs> I took my Doctor Who magazine with me all the way to Verona and never Verona, got go. a chance to read it. While I was in <laughs> so Verona. Went, yeah, yeah, when I was in Verona, I was, I was sat there. <laughs> no, it went all the way with me there and back and never left my bag because I was really, I was thinking, right, I'll, I'll read it while I'm out there because... Yeah, but I never got to read it. But it's, I hear it's very good, and I'm hoping I'll get a chance to read it this afternoon, actually, because um, I've been itching to get my, my teeth into that interview. I keep hearing little quotes from it, and mm-hmm. people saying, I, I've seen a thing from Stephen Moffat this morning. I don't know if this is genuine, but apparently Stephen Moffat's quite unhappy about what he says about the five-ish doctors in it, um, and he's kicked off a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but mm-hmm. I don't know I don't know if it's I don't know if that's genuine or just stuff that's floating around on the internet, but the screen grab of the conversation I saw sort of basically was of Stephen Moffat saying he wasn't happy mm-hmm. at all. So yeah, yes. but it's a good interview, yeah. It's very, very good. It's very frank. <laughs> it's mm. not holding back at all. He's kind of got to that age now where where he says in the interview actually, he's uh he's gone through several sort of personas in his life, you know. Um, remember All Creatures Great and Small? Yeah, yeah, I love that show. You know, yeah, his really character, I think it was Tristan, his character. Tristan, yeah. Yeah, he, he basically says that he's, throughout a lot of his life, he's put on, you know, he's mimicked the character of Tristan in some things and yeah. he sort of modelled the character of his doctor on like a, um, you know, a, a portion of Tristan's in his doctor, basically, and things like that. And... uh it's very political as well. He oh, gives right. Boris Johnson a real roasting. Really? Yeah. Um, talks about his family quite a lot as well. Doesn't, um, uh, you go. Yeah, it's just very no holds barred. And um, it's great because there's no airs and graces. There's no, you know, if things that have happened. In, he talks about Colin quite a lot. Oh, does he? Yeah. Um, you know, I hear all, Matthew Waterhouse comes in for a bit of a He does humbling. as well. Yep. So yeah. all the all the stuff yeah. that you've heard over the years, like, oh, I've heard that Davison, you know, is not a real fan of something. And oh, I've heard about Davis, you know, all those little juicy bits of, you know, nuggets of gossip we've heard over the years. Like, oh, you know, I've heard about Davison. He's not a fan of that. You will read about it in, in the interview. Oh, excellent. Yeah, yeah, I'm looking forward to reading it. I um, Has it weighed your appetite for his autobiography that's coming out in a yes, couple it of months. Has. It has a lot, yeah, actually. Yeah. Yep. yeah. Yeah, it's going to be good, isn't it? It's good. It's good. Yeah, a lot of people are not impressed by it. They're like, oh, this is not what we want to hear. But, you know, sometimes you just got to lay it out there. And Well, if that's how he feels, I'd much yep. rather he be truthful than give... What's the point of giving an interview if you're just going to tell people what they want to hear rather than what you actually feel? So, exactly, yeah, yeah, no, I, I've heard a couple of... I've heard loads of different mixed things about it. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm quite intrigued. I'll, I'll definitely have to get that read this afternoon i think yeah it's not it's not derogatory against the show mm. too much you know it's not you know there's no real bad stuff that he says about you know you know doctor who as a program or you know anything like that it's just little bits that are a bit unsavory that's happened over the years hmm. and you know things yeah. like that so but it's very good though if you haven't picked it up yet it's uh it's a great read excellent yes yeah, good stuff right buddy i reckon we will land this 
yes, let's land it. See what what uh, what's in the news. First up this week. Uh, we've spoken about these before. Always very popular. Um, the uh, there's um uh, you know the events that we talk about on the podcast, the events in Chiswick and so on. They're run by a company called Phantom Events. Yeah. Um, or there's another sort of uh, division um, called Phantom Publishing, and you've probably heard us speak about it before, new listeners. If you haven't, um, essentially it's, um, they get together a bunch of stars that were on Who um, from Classic Who back in the day, and they do their own custom commentary which you can then buy on CD or a digital download. Uh, you stick the episode on, press play on your cassette machine or whatever <laughs> it is you prefer to listen to. And your 8-track. Your 8-track, yeah. And you've got a, a brand new custom commentary. And uh, they've done a couple already. I, my memory's gone. I can't remember which ones they've done in the past. I know there have been a couple of good ones. Uh, the oh, yeah, Demons, they did the um, Fear, Enemy of the World. That's right. Um, yeah. They did the demons, didn't they? Pretty sure they did. The demons, yeah. yeah. Um, so they got a new one uh, coming out very soon. Remembrance. What was the demons? The demons. Sorry. So I want to be yeah, slap, slapped. Sorry. Demons. Yeah. Uh, Remembrance of the Daleks gets a new yeah. commentary. Um, mm. And if you want to look this up, by the way, if it's um, it sounds a bit confusing, you just need to do a search for something called Who Talk. Um, so if you just do a search for Who Talk by Phantom Publishing, Phantom with an F, not with a PH. Uh, you'll be able to find it. We'll stick a link in the show notes as well. Um, they're not too bad. The CDs normally go for tenner. I think they're twelve ninety nine, but they often do like two for twenty or something like that. Not always, but I think the last time I bought them, they were doing an offer. Uh, oh yeah, hold on a second. Uh, the CD is ten ninety nine, and the digital download is nine ninety nine. Oh, there we go. So if you want the CD, the physical thing, it's an extra quid. Mm, that's all right. But there you go. Uh, so this one, um, and they're overseen by the brilliant. Uh, Toby Haydock. Yeah, he's is good. So isn't he? funny. He's really good. Really good host, isn't he? He is good. Yeah, yeah. Really good. I, I wish he would do his um, stand up again because I'd love to go and see that with you. He's done two, hasn't he? Moffs out my scarf and uh, <laughs> sold my sort of screwdriver. I think second. they were great. I'd yeah. just love to go and see them with you because you'd love it. But I think he, he still does stand up. He just doesn't do those full shows at the minute. But mm-hmm. he's a, he's a he's a good guy. He's he very good. Yeah. And mm-hmm. joining him from the show. Um, is Pamela Salem, who played Rachel, uh, mm. Simon Williams, who played Gilmore, Karen uh, Gledhill, who played Alison, and then we also have Andrew Cartmel, script editor from the McCoy series, and Andrew Morgan, who was a director. Excellent, yeah. So, sounds like a good one. It is good. I'm definitely going to get this, actually, because obviously I love Remembrance, and um, yeah, I'll be very interested to hear that commentary. So, that's one for the shopping basket. Indeed. Indeed. <laughs> right. In other news, uh, Doctor Appreciation Society, other than I, otherwise known as DWAS, uh, they're celebrating their 40th anniversary this year. Wow. Um, and uh, in honour of the man who played the third Doctor, they're trying to raise funds for a new heritage plaque, uh, which they're hoping to put on the new Wimbledon Theatre, which was where the Doctor who played the ultimate adventure premiered uh, so it's quite fitting um that was a great play i still have <laughs> i went to see that i still have vivid memories of it it's brilliant um so yeah so they're they're, they're raising money for it um they're also going to do a day dedicated to john pertwee called polarity day 
on the 23rd of October. Uh, not much details on this yet. They're, they're just starting to sort of get it organized. Um, but there is some links to it, which uh, we'll, we'll put in the notes, I assume. So, yeah, go and have a look at it. You can buy a little badge pack as well. Which, a little um, awesome. Yeah. yeah, I was going to say, which um, I love a badge. I don't know about you. So <laughs> I think you get seven badges in this little pack for That's a right. tenner. Is that right? Yep. Yeah. So, yeah, it's quite a nice little thing they got going on there. And um, obviously, I think John Pertwee was the first honorary president of, of the society. And I think it's now Colin Baker. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. It's now Colin has taken over. So, yeah, it's good. It's good that they're still, you know, they've been, in, been around 40 years supporting Doctor Who. So it's good good to give something back to those guys. Yes. And his polarity day sounds pretty cool as well. I'm going to be keeping my eye on that because mm. that sounds very interesting. So it's going to be, what is it? It's going to be something in London, but there's not any details yet, is there? No, in October. But, yep. Yeah, dedicated to the, the Doctor. So that could be good. What, mm. a, what a good name for the day as well, Polarity, polarity Day. Polarity Day, yeah, brilliant, isn't it? All right, let's get the Daleks in because we have a uh, small but cool piece of merch to talk through. Mm. <laughs> merch Corner. Merch Corner. Merch corner. I don't know whether to be impressed or disgusted. It's a bit rubbish, but it's pretty. It's very pretty. You like a good Titan figure? I do. I do, yeah. I love an Ood. Love an Ood. And you like a good Titan figure? <laughs> I do. <laughs> but not the Sherlock ones, because I keep getting the same one. But yes, I do like a Titan figure. Yes, and I like this one. Although we've, you know, we've not been... That complimentary to the character who this is aimed at. Um, I think this is quite cool. I, I get the I, feeling you don't like it. I love it. Oh, you love it? Okay. I've pre-ordered it. Oh, you have? Straight away. I've been, I've been checking it. While I was out in Verona, I kept <laughs> checking the <laughs> website because I didn't want to miss out on it. Because um, sometimes, this is the weird thing, sometimes the Titans sell out really, really quick. Mm-hmm. Um and so you have to sort of just keep checking them, otherwise you don't get them. Um, so I really didn't miss out, want to miss out on this one. So I did keep constantly checking it. Typical, pre-ordered it straight away. I was like, yes, got it on order. It's still available. They've obviously got thousands of them. So it's half a million, <laughs> half a million the of them in the warehouse. But anyway, yeah, no, I love the look of this. What is um, it, buddy? So yeah, well, it's the it's the Tardis, another Tardis area, but it's the Clara Tribute Tardis. It's got that nice. Um, flowery design pattern all over it and Clara's picture which obviously I'll be scrubbing off when mine arrives but yeah it looks, <laughs> looks <laughs> or actually I'll probably replace it with a picture of Romana or something like that but um, no it's a lovely <laughs> lovely variant I think um, and it's uh, 4.5 inch isn't it so, so it's the sort of it's not the little miniature three inch one you normally get in the blind box this is the bigger the slightly larger ones isn't it yeah yeah, yeah. Um, so those, those um, uh, guys that don't know what we're talking about, the Titan figures make the small vinyl um, figures that you get in a blind box. Mm. You open up the bag, if you've seen any of Adam's um, blind box opening videos on his channel, The Geek's Handbag, there's a million videos of him opening a million blind bags of these. They're cool little vinyl figures, but these ones are, these. you can get the regular TARDIS in this size, can't you? Without, yeah, you can get regular and yeah. bad wolf TARDIS, I think they do, yeah. Um, and the Trenzalore. Trenzalore's well, massive. That's well, what I was going to say. Yeah, I'd have loved it to have been that size because the Trenzalore ones, how big's that? Oh, is um, that? That's the real big one. It's the really big that's one. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They're very cool anyway. They look great on the shelf, and this one looks really good with the you, floral you, stuff. And you going to get it? Yes, it looks really good. Yeah, it does look nice. It'll look good on your shelf. That will. It will. 
I've got the standard one of this, like there's the normal TARDIS in this size. Yeah. So it'll be a good companion, excuse the pun. Yeah, yeah. Well, this was, I think I saw this, this was like an exclusive for somewhere at one point, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, uh, so yeah, I saw it a little while back and I immediately wanted it. So I'm glad it's, you know, available to purchase properly now. Yeah. yeah. Well, they showed it at New York Comic Con. That's it. Yeah. Um, recently. So, um, but now it's up for pre-order. It's only, well, as far as I know, it's only available to pre-order at ForbiddenPlanet.com at the moment but i guess if you go to forbiddenplanet.co.uk or you know zavi any of those places you might find it but at the moment i think it's just forbiddenplanet.com they they're quite good on price actually they seem to have brought the prices down on the titans a mm. little bit because this is only 12.99 it's normally, and i'm pretty sure they're about 16.99 before they, they seem to have come down a little bit they were it's normally 16 quid isn't it For 14 or 16 yeah i mm-hmm. can't remember but it definitely wasn't they definitely were more expensive before these ones so yeah, it's nice to see. Twelve ninety nine is a good price, I think. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Order it if you like it. Yeah, if you don't, don't. <laughs> or order it and then take a sharpie to Clara's face. <laughs> Whatever suits your fancy. Yeah. <laughs> right, buddy. It's review time. Yes. Yeah. Tell thou fair listeners, what is <laughs> what is up for review this week? Oh shame! It's. <laughs> What is that? It's um, it's of course the Seventh Doctor story, Battlefield. It's no good. It's not good at all. I can have an airstrike here in minutes. There's no good, Brigadier. Conventional weapons won't harm it. No, I didn't think so. Hey, give me the silver bullets. How did you know? Silver bullets will do the trick. How did you know it had them? It's all a matter of timing, Ace. Give me a gun. What, those will stop the destroyer. What? You just uh, shoot the bullets into it. Simple, isn't it? Just like most killings. Lord. Is that a spaceship? You scumbag! Sorry, Doctor, but I think I'm rather more expendable than you are. Yes. <laughs> it's time for it's time for our review of Battlefield. So we have we have travelled back to the seventh Doctor's era. Um, is it the seventh? Yes, of course. I'm going a bit doolally this morning it <laughs> is a seventh doctor, isn't it yes yeah mr mccoy battlefield came out in 1989 it's a four-parter it was written by ben aronovich mm. um and directed by michael kerrigan overseen by mr john nathan turner yeah um and edited well messed around with should we say by our good friend mr cartmel that's it yeah it is um, yeah. good cast in this one well uh, the lead cast are good Mm, yeah. Yeah. Uh, supporting cast. Characters are good. The actors. Yeah. Mm, come on to mm, that. Mm. Uh, plot is thus. Um, it's plot. Okay. It, it's like um, it's like a medieval uh, battle between good and evil. Um, except they're not. It's not set in the past. It's like a futuristic bunch of knights and maidens. Um, who come to Earth uh, to find, I believe, uh, the sword Excalibur, which was left there by King Arthur. Um, but because it's set in the future, obviously it's set in our time, our time, quote-unquote, as in the 80s, um, mm. and the Doctor and Ace um, are there to stop the bad Knights, who is ordered around by Morgane, 
Morgaine, yeah. Morgaine. She's like the evil, she's like the evil sorceress character mm. in this, like the arch nemesis to Arthur. So her knights and more specifically her son are trying to take out the good knight and the Doctor and A so they can get Excalibur. There you go. That's basically it. And then we get some confusion with the Doctor potentially being Merlin mm. in another time as, as another incarnation, but we don't really know. Yeah. It, yeah. it is a bit um, up in the air. It, it's one of those, I can imagine them looking through the script going, ah, we'll make it work. We'll, we'll make this work. <laughs> we'll, we'll sort it out. Um, but it's a very good script. It's a really good story. Um, but I'm sure we'll have some, some niggles. Mm. with this one because there are a few let's be honest there are a few uh mm. shortcomings as we say so what do you reckon to this one mate yeah well i think long time listeners know it's always one i've struggled with um it just never clicks for me this story um and it's not one i've watched for ages because it's never one i reach for um watched it yesterday uh all the way through all four episodes and um it's or, not as bad as I thought, but it's never, ever going to be one of my favorite McCoy stories. Um, it's it's not as bad as I thought. The acting in it is as bad as I remember. The production in it is as bad as I remember. But I sort of found it um, an okay watch. Yeah, but I, I it, it's something about it, and I'm hoping as we talk through it, because I've never been out to pinpoint why this one McCoy story doesn't do it for me because i can i can get on board with all the other mccoy stories despite any faults they might have i love the mccoy era but this one it just never works for me mm. and i can't put my finger on it so hopefully as we chat through i'll work out why but uh, yeah enjoyable enough watch but um and i think there is a good story in there somewhere <laughs> but i just think it did not translate onto screen and uh, ben ronovich obviously wrote remembers the daleks which is what I consider to be one of the best um, mm -hmm. stories. So, yeah, it seems really strange that this come from the same writer, but I don't think it's his fault. I do think there's a good story on, uh -huh. in, in the heart of this. Um, but for me, it doesn't translate onto screen. Yeah. What about you, mate? What do you think of it? That's fair enough, yeah. Um, yeah, it's an interesting one. Um, I only watched it this morning. I got up this morning to watch it before work. Oh, right. Because I had no time to watch them. Um, and, yeah, I was... I was watching through and I thought, yeah, this is, you know, classic McCoy stuff. You know, it's an enjoyable watch. Um, and my wife was watching it with me as well. She's in at breakfast and she's like, what is this? <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, yeah. you know, I've, my wife has sort of been converted over the years. You know, she's she's come round to Doctor Who, you know, over it's time. You know. Um, you know, people like David Tennant helped that process, you know, along. <laughs> um, but she's never sort of, she'll, she'll never sit down and reach for a classic Doctor Who, put it that way. But she does, you know, appreciate, she, you know, she's a fan of, you know, some of the classic doctors and she appreciates, you know, that whole era, um, you know, but even she was like, you know, what is this? Mm. You know, and I think what she was sort of commenting or trying to get at was, you know, some of the acting is just atrocious. Oh, it is. You yeah. can't get away yeah. from that. It's really bad. No. So, um, you know, that sort of lets it down for me. It's a little bit, you know, you would expect to see something like this at the theatre. Mm. You know, that's what it feels like. Um but having said that, there are some cool little moments. Um, but it's just, uh, and the ending's not that great for me either. I found the oh. ending to be a little bit um, meh. But overall, you know, it's not a terrible story. 
Mm. And it's not a terrible watch. You know, I've watched all four episodes, you know, back to back and I didn't for once think, you know, I want to turn this off. It's not that bad, but, you know, it's just, it sort of misses the, the mark, doesn't it? You know, com- compared to, as you guys, long-term listeners will know that over the last year, you know, I went from not being a fan of much at all of McCoy's era and McCoy is the doctor to really liking him. You know, mm. it's one of my, you know, loved McCoy stuff. Um, but you know, I was just like, oh, it just doesn't seem, I think it just one of those stories that just sort of goes along at, it, at its own pace. And you, it, it doesn't shout out to the viewer that, you know, watch me, this is going on. Mm. You know, they've got a great story, you know, this is happening. It just seems to just pass you by. That's the way I can describe it. It's like yeah. passing something on the motorway. You sort of look out the window and there it goes, and then you don't really give it a second <laughs> thought after. That's the way I, I see it. And it's strange, isn't it? Because there's a lot going on in this story as well. Hmm. Um, do you know what I mean? There should be enough to, to to sort of bring it above what it is. But the thing is, I, I wonder if a lot of it's down to the, well, the direction for a start, I think, is poor. It's mm. poorly directed. Um, I think who was the who was the director? Because I think this is the only Doctor who ever did. Michael, Michael Kerrigan. Kerrigan, yeah. Yep. Um, it's very poorly directed. Um, the production values are terrible. I mean, this kicked off <laughs> the series twenty six. Yeah. Uh, so the last series of Doctor Who, this kick started that series. Um, but it's it feels really cheap. Um, but I, you know, in, in terms of production, um, I think they've tried really hard though with what they were given. But it, it does feel like a, a cheap production. But the thing is, I do wonder about the editing because I kept thinking it's so unclear what's going on half the time. I think that's why it doesn't keep me mm-hmm. um, entertained. Is because half the time I'm wondering what is going on because of the editing. Um, right. We keep chopping and changing from like like the brigadier takes nearly a whole episode to get into a helicopter because we keep cutting back and forth to him chatting in the garden and then we have another scene and we come back and he's chatting and he's going to get in it and then we cut back and he's in the helicopter and then we cut to another scene and then we cut back and he's still in it he spends about a day in the helicopter right. in fact he still spends a whole night in it because it turns to night time doesn't it yeah it turns to night <laughs> and then we come back and he's still in the helicopter so i think i wonder if the editing is a lot to blame for this in yeah. terms of the way it tells the story because it seems really clunky and disjointed um and i think maybe if it had been you know different it might have um if we had more of a flow in the story of what's actually going on i think it probably could have been a lot better but i I find it very clunky yeah i know what you mean by the editing because i i know when i first watched this one i thought he's been up in the air a long time (laughs) because he takes a while to get like you said he's chatting with doris he's chatting with the old doris for a while you know she's like don't go don't go he's like i'm going but then it's not as quick as that, is it? Because they have a couple, like you said, back and forth. They must have been a lot of fuel in that helicopter. Yeah, and then he's up in the helicopter and the, the uh, is it Czechoslovakian pilot he's got in there? Yeah. So, yeah. You know, she's like, they're having a good old chin wag and stuff like that. And then it's like, um, it goes from one extreme to the other because we have this real drawn out thing across the entire episode of him up in the helicopter. Mm-hmm. And then literally in the space of like five minutes, it's like, oh, uh, we're flying over London because he's like, London's beautiful at sunrise. And then she's like, nah, you know, once you've seen one helipad, it's all the same. And literally yeah. a minute later, they're out in the countryside. Yeah. Do you know, it's like we're in the middle of London. 
and we've and it's taken us like 72 hours to get here <laughs> uh, and now we're in london and now a minute later it's like a snap of your fingers we're out in the countryside yeah you know it's it's very much um yeah you know what i don't know if it's a continuity thing editing a combination of all those things it just feels very much like you say what the hell's going on yeah, they're still in there. And, and you keep getting random shots of like this glowing sword throughout episode one, just plonked in the middle of scenes and you don't know anything about it. Um, it that's the sort of thing. I mean, it sort of feels very amateurish in production, this one, hmm. a lot more than I think some of the others do. Yeah. Like, you know, the way it's the story is told. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think that's the biggest problem with it, because as I said, even though I don't think it's great, there was definitely bits in there I was enjoying. Um, and the funny thing is, when I, over the years, I've popped this one into the play. You know, when I'm trying to think of something to watch, um, I sometimes think, I'll give Battlefield another go because I, I never really get, you know, I tend to sort of get into about an episode and switch it off. And, you know, it's quite rare for me to do that, Dot Two. Um, so it was interesting sort of having to sit mm-hmm. and watch all four episodes of this because I think it made me sort of enjoy it more, if that makes sense, because I don't normally get that far. I normally sort of get sort of episode two and switch it off and think, I'll watch the rest later, and then I never do. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's quite interesting to sort of have to sit there and watch it all, because overall I sort of thought, nah, it's all right, actually. You know, once you get to the end, it's 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 got some nice moments. But, but yeah, but I think that is the thing. There's so many bits like that where you're sort of thinking, well, I mean, they, they go for a whole night, don't they? And, and then we cut back to episode two with the brigadiers sort of getting shot down and you're like, you still, you still flying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So the whole, uh, the glowing, you know, hand or hilt thing of the Excalibur sword, that's mm. never explained. No. what? Uh, and I think as a viewer, we're just meant to assume that, you know, it's, you know, the big ruby stone or whatever it is in the handle of the sword. Mm. I think we're just meant to assume that it's doing that because it's, the famous Excalibur sword. Yeah. And I think that you just meant to go with that. You know, it's not, it's not a homing beacon for anyone. It's not like some kind of signal for anything. It's just, but the, the problem with that is it cuts to that so many times. Yeah. It's you like, think something's going to activate or happen or. Yes. Yeah. Hmm. Um, but you've got um, more gain sort of keeps popping up as well. And I kind of think there are a lot of things unexplained. Like you sort of thinking, so what she wants to destroy Earth, is that right? I mean, what, what, why? <laughs> There's so many bits like that. I'm sort of thinking, what's the motivation for this? Like, what, what is, well, that's the why thing. is that character doing that? Yeah, well, that's the thing, because it's her son that turns up with a bunch of other knights, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and he, so she doesn't actually do anything because it's him that calls her, you know, to Earth. Um, so it's not her master plan or anything to take over the Earth. He sort of summons her. Yeah, and she turns up, and then she's all for it. She's like, "Yes, we're going to take over the world. It's all going to be great." And then they're in a graveyard, and she's like, "Hmm, this is a, you know, a, a pilgrimage to like fallen heroes, fallen soldiers. You know, she's, you know, these they're not as savage as you told me they were." So then you think, well, she obviously didn't know what was going on. It's her son's doing, but then she kind of goes with it anyway. She's sort of like, well, you know, these people aren't of people of earth. Aren't what you said they were. He goes off with the strop. And instead of her going, you know, I might as well. She's like, I think I will take over the world anyway. I'm here now. I'm here now. I've made the journey. Let's do it. 
And so, what's going on the end as well? She's about to launch a nuclear... Because uh, I, I must have missed, like, a, I, I don't know if I just switched off for a second, but one minute she was in this castle and then, I don't know, I must have just literally looked away for a second, I don't know. And then the next thing I know, she's about to press a button on and to blow the whole world up and the doctor mm. convinces her that it's morally wrong. And she's like, yeah, you're right. And <laughs> she's presses, you know, presses it with one second to go, of course. Um, but I didn't quite know what happened in between there. I think I, I don't know if I checked my phone or, or what. Um, mm. But it seemed to be, yeah, she, like you said, it seemed to, I, I just kept thinking, what, why is she doing that again? <laughs> you know. Yeah. I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm pretty sure that if we got um, Ben uh, Aronovich in a room with Andrew Cartman, we sat down and we were like, look, no BS, just give it to us straight. What's going on? I'm pretty yeah. sure if they explained it, we'd be like, oh. Uh, and but the book's probably good, isn't it? Probably, you know? yeah. But I think yeah. it's just the way it's executed on screen. Mm, you know, definitely. you do get a little bit lost. You know, it's a little mm. bit uh, struggling. I'll be honest. <laughs> you're, mm-hmm. you're sort of mentally in your head having a conversation like, I'm struggling a little bit with this. Yeah. Um, and it's probably, there's probably, you know, some of our listeners right now thinking, what the hell is wrong with you two? Because what's happening is this, 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 and this, and then it's yeah. this, you know. But I don't know. It's just one of those things you just, you just. And it probably is one I need to watch again. I mean, that's the thing. I suppose with a lot of the Doctor Who stories we review, I've watched them a good few times, so I kind of know what's going on. But this one, because I haven't watched it many times, and as I said, I did give it a, a rewatch yesterday, all the way through, um, so it was clear in my mind. But uh, yeah, I still wasn't quite sure what yeah. was going on. And the thing is, it's got. Um, it, on the DVD, it's got it's a two DVD set, isn't it? So there's actually an extended version of this on this too, which mm-hmm. um, I don't know if that makes the storyline any clearer. I don't know if the editing's better on it because I, I really wish I'd had more time because I would have given it a watch. Um, I think I watched it when I very first bought it. In fact, I would have done because uh, I used to just, when I bought a DVD, I'd watch everything on it, everything. Um, <laughs> so I, I would have seen the extended version, but I can't, it's so long ago, I can't remember it. But whether it's any better, whether it makes things a bit more clearer, I don't know. I'll have mm. to give it a watch at some point. But That might help. I'm it might sure. do, yeah. Maybe they've, you know, put some bits in that it needed. But, uh, yeah, I haven't seen it. Yeah. Before we get on to characters and stuff, what did you think to the the whole sort of amalgamation of um, current time with units being like a sort of modern times mm-hmm. army versus the whole um, knights of old. But then they've also got sort of laser guns and stuff. Guns. You know, it's sort of, um, they sort of try to, you know, mix them, you know, match the two. Um, and I think for the most part, it's okay. You know, I quite like the whole, the you know, the classic, you know, knights of the round table, that kind of, Merlin and Arthur, all that stuff. It's, you know, that's like a classic tale, isn't it? Yeah. Um, it just yeah. feels, a, I don't know how you feel about it, but it felt a little bit sort of half hearted to me because mm. you got the costumes are pretty good, like the knights and stuff. Um, Morgane looks pretty good, but um, I just wish that they'd have sort of tried to put more of that stuff in because it just felt like they were there just because, because we never understand why they're there in the first place. We just see like a knight flying through space. Um, you know, and land like crash landing on Earth, but that's it. You know, we don't understand why they're here. Mm. You know, their decisions. Maybe we need to watch extended version. We'll maybe tell us yeah. a bit more. But um, so, what do you think to that? Like the whole, you know, that the old fairy tale night story mixed with like modern Doctor Who and stuff. Yeah, I quite like that. 
I quite quite like that concept. Um, I, I think that perhaps the Knights look different to how Ben Aronovich pictured them because there's a line that baffled me a bit when I'm not sure if it's Ace or um, uh, what's the other girl called um, who she befriends. But one of them sort of says, oh, is that an android? And I'm thinking, what? Why would you think a man in a suit was an android? You know, I, mean, I think perhaps they were supposed to look a bit more futuristic, maybe. Um, but yeah, I like the concept. And the thing with unit, um, I think works all right. Uh, it's quite nice. It's, it's, well, it's always good to see the Brigadier. I love um, <laughs> love the character, the Brigadier. Because last time we saw him would have been in Mordred Undead, I think, mm-hmm. uh, where he was a school teacher. So now he's retired in this one by this time. Um, and we get to meet Doris, his wife, his which missus. is nice. Yep. Yeah, we get to meet his missus. Um, so that's all nice. So I think that works quite well because obviously like he's retired. Um, we've got this new Brigadier Bambera, Winifred Bambera, in charge of unit. Um, and it's quite funny, isn't it, the way the the, the brig, as soon as the doctor's <laughs> name is mentioned, he's like, right, get the old jacket on. It still fits. I was thinking, <laughs> does it? Um, <laughs> it still fits. Um, and he just waltzes back in. I'm not really sure you can do that uh, at a top secret military. Well, they're not that <laughs> not sure top you can secret. Just walk. In well, this, not top they? secret, no. But uh, yeah, he just waltzes back into work. Um, as soon as he hears the doctor's name, but it's quite a nice. It's quite nice, I think, seeing the brig, mm. you know, as as he might have sort of ended up. Um, yeah, so I think it works works okay in that sense. Yeah, yes, I think it's. Um, I do like the concept, like I said, but I think they mm. should have done a bit more for that because it's like they were just plonked into the story onto Earth, and that that's it. We sort yeah, of have to yeah. go with it now, and and that's it. But um, yeah, it's a it's a good. Like you said, there's a great story in there somewhere, and I think if they'd have done more, to sort of flesh out why Morgane's there and her son and these knights, and you know why Excalibur's lighting up all the time and and all this stuff, I think we would have, you know, that would have been a better story. But maybe that's just the production side of things. Maybe um, uh, Mr. Aronovich pictured this looking slightly different because I know in Andrew Cartmel's book, The Script Doctor, he does go on to say that when they were doing Remembrance of the Daleks. Um, he was very, uh, uh, Ben was very much like, mm, this is not really what I envisioned, you know, envisioned when I was writing the story. This is not what yeah. I was planning to see. So maybe it's a case of that because I know that in that book, if my memory recalls, when he spoke about Battlefield, he said that he absolutely loved the story, loved the script, um, but it was sort of let down by some of the production stuff and the direction. So Mm. you know maybe if it's a different time we have to remember also that you know we're coming up to the end of the run now yeah we are so the bbc had pretty much you know had little to no faith in this you know crappy little sci-fi show that went out (laughs) you Mm. know to um to uh mind you the viewers weren't too bad it's like three mil three and a half million well, I think episode one is was isn't it still the lowest rated dot two episode ever? Three point one mil. Three point yeah. one million, yeah. The finale which, got uh, four million, which is still yeah. you know. So because of this, the Beebs are probably like uh, you know, they're probably pleading for more money, you know, for better production and stuff like that. And they're like, You guys are on the way out. We haven't told you this yet, but you know, you guys are gonna be out of here soon, so deal with what you've yeah. got. Yeah. Enjoy it while you can. Yeah. Mm. So you have, we have to remember that as well. This is a very sort of uh, uh, interesting time for Doctor Who. It is because I think the the next few stories in in this last series, I 
quite I like him in Ghostlight's next. Uh, what's after Ghostlight? Is it Curse? Curse of Fenric? No, it's um. That's oh, what it is. Yeah, sorry, Curse yeah, of Fenric. Yeah, and then yeah. Survival. And that, then the is that it? One. There's only four. Blimey! Yeah. So yeah, we are really close to the end of the line. Yeah. Um, for Doctor Who at this point, so it is an interesting time. Yeah, definitely. But I think it does show in the production. But yeah. I don't think. Yeah, I don't think the other stories suffer as badly in production as this one. I mean, like the effects look terrible. I suppose it's yeah. trying to be a bit adventurous. Um, and also the music, <laughs> the music in it is like, I know I, I normally like the <laughs> 80s music, but it's so overbearing in this. Like Kef McCulloch, did, 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 you know, did the music. Yeah. It's so overbearing. It's like an 80s disco Half mm-hmm. the time you're having these fight scenes, it's like it's like oh my goodness me! It's like it. It's not so fact the music's bad. It's, it's as as much that there is so much music in it. It's like it's like they couldn't do a scene without it being absolutely flooded mm-hmm. with this eighties music. Yeah, the thing is, I don't. I'm not. I don't really mind the music too much. I just felt like it doesn't suit the story. It doesn't suit the story. Yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. It's it's real sort of yeah, like you said, eighties disco. Mm. loads of electric drums and synths all over the place it just doesn't yeah. fit this um but it's it's not bad i don't mind it oh, no, it's not bad it, when i'm listening to the the soundtrack you know the 50th anniversary soundtrack mm. um sometimes i just stick that on random and then you know i always know when it's going to be um uh series 26 mccoy episode because it's just like 80s drums you know simply though it it's quite cool but yeah maybe they should have thought about just toned it down just a bit. toned it down a wee bit, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, right, let's talk about some cast. Mm. Some characters. Uh, supporting cast, let's just say, they're not great. No, they're not good. Quite a few of them, even as far up as um, Brigadier Bambera. She's the best of a bad bunch, I would say. Unfortunately, yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean... Uh, oh, shit. Shame. Oh, shame. The, Why does she keep saying that, mate? What it was really grating on me. What is she? What is that? I don't know. The first time she said it, I thought she was going to say the other word. Is that what it is? is, it, is Maybe it's it, yeah. like a substitute for the, for a swear word. It, looks, it sounds like it. Yeah. Right. Um, so we have the knights, don't we? That show up. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so that is, I can't. I, well, the names escape me, but we have Mordred. Who is, that's her son, isn't it? That's Mordred. her son, yeah. Not to be confused with Mordred, undead. Not, yes. David Collins, no. Yep. <laughs> and then we have uh, Anselin, who kind of falls for the brig, the female brig. <sighs> I must... What's going on? The, the... <laughs> they sort of. <laughs> the most unlikely couple. They end up in a fight, don't they? They end up having a good old oh, scrap by the scene. TARDIS. And, yeah. you know, she's blasting away with her pistol. They're running at <laughs> each other with swords and stuff. It's a big mess. Um, but they sort of warm to each other as the story goes on um so it's kind of weird you know you wouldn't really it is kind of weird but so th- those, yeah it's out of nowhere those two guys uh, characters mordred played by christopher bowen and anselin marcus gilbert just real amateur stuff I, I, I hate to be rude but you know it's especially that scene where mordred has summoned his mum and he's shoved the sword into the ground Oh, that manic laugh. And that laugh that goes on for ages and he's really forcing it out. And it's like, I, know. I imagine that in his head he's thinking, please scream, cut, or yeah. we're done or whatever, because this is killing me. I can't do it. Um, I was thinking that as well. I was thinking he must, because <laughs> you can imagine him on the, on the, you know, on the other side of the camera going, keep going, keep going, 
He's like, yeah, I'm doing it. I'm doing it. Come on. Yeah, can we just do it one more time? Oh, my God. You know, Scalibur sword across the set. Oh, I can't do it again. Yeah, because it does go on forever, doesn't it? It does. Yeah. Um, and then we have um, uh, a sort of blue demon thing turn up towards the end of the story, which is unbelievably underused. And Unbelie- un- yeah. It's like he's he, he's called the Destroyer. And basically, mm-hmm. if, you have, if you've ever seen a really old Tom Cruise and Tim Curry film called Legend. Um, Tim Curry plays this really big devil character. And I get a feeling that they sort of fashioned this look on his character in that, because it's almost the same. The only difference is in that film, he's red like the devil. And this, he's like this um, sort of Play-Doh blue um, <laughs> colour. Um, so he's, he's, he's called the Destroyer, right? Mm, um, yeah. But he's like the eater of worlds you know they label they, they really big him up you know they do, the yeah. destroyer of worlds the eater of souls all this stuff but he's got handcuffs on <laughs> so that sort of <laughs> prohibits him from doing any <laughs> bad stuff you know any bad magic and then he gets the handcuffs off and all he does is rip his shirt open a little bit it's like a you think it's going to be like an incredible hulk scene where he's just going to go mad and destroy the world but no, he doesn't. And then the brig just turns up and shoots him, and he's dead. He explodes into a ga- <laughs> into a ball of green gas. That's right. So it's yeah. like you know, if you're really going to big up a character like some, you know, like the Eater of Worlds, if you're going to have a character called the Destroyer, then you've got to do something a bit more than just have him sort of skulk around, threatening, and then he gets shot once, and then that's it. He's gone. Yeah, I would agree with that because he actually <laughs> quite like the sort of look of him, yeah, like the head good. sculpt, and that's good. And they've they've gone to a bit of effort because when he opens his mouth, you can see all this sort of saliva or water, or I don't know. They've, they've you know they've tried, mm-hmm. they've definitely tried, and I think the design of him looks good. And like you said, uh, the whole build up of him actually being set free from these silver handcuffs or whatever it is he's wearing. Um, yeah, you sort of think, hey, uh, you know, it's all going to kick off now. Yeah. And then it does for about five seconds and yeah. it's all done. So yeah, I agree with you. Terribly underused. Yeah. yeah. If they'd called probably... him something different other than the destroyer, it might not look so bad. If he was like, you know Howard. Malcolm, you know, whatever. Just <laughs> something a bit more It is you know, it very underused. And it's good makeup very, very as well. Underused. Yeah. 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 Um right, what about um uh yeah, so Angela Bruce. Winifred Bambera. She's just so, I don't know. She's like, she's really forcing this character out. It just yeah. doesn't seem natural to me at all. No, it's, yeah, I'd agree with that. She, I think she's, she's sort of, I kind of like, she's one of those characters so bad that I kind of like it, if you know what I mean. I sort of think, oh, she's terrible, but I kind of like the fact she's terrible. But yeah, you're right. It's terribly forced. I think she kind of thought, right, I'm the Brigadier, so I have to be really shouty and really strong. Yeah. And I'm going to blow everything up with my gun. I mean, that scene when she's, at the top of the car shooting everything and <laughs> it's so cheesy it's and bad, just at it? the top it's cringy yeah yeah so we can safely cr- say that she's not great either she's not great um what about uh show Ying? show Ying? show ying oh we met her didn't we show met Ewing. her at a phantom event do you remember oh, so she's like, yeah mm. she was quite cool um character though uh i thought she was quite good i thought um it's almost like a little sort of um I don't know, like, it's almost like Ace has finally found somebody, like, on her level. Mm. Because, 
you know, they so, both like explosions. Yes. So throughout the whole time of her, her time on the show, it's either she's knocking about with a doctor, which is fun, or she's like arguing and shouting and doing, you know. So she's finally found like a, a new sort of bezzy mate, you know, someone that she can have a crack with, blow some stuff up, you know. But so that part of it, I quite like, you know, the team are up. Um, but again, oh, the acting's just not very good. You no, just kind of feel like, oh. That that scene where they're arguing in the circle of chalk <laughs> is very, very theatre, isn't it? It's very theatre. Where, where they're like having a fight and then they just about to knock each other out of the circle and they hug each other and all. It's very, very cringy. Yeah. Um, love that idea of the circle, mm-hmm. got to say. Uh, I, I love it when Doctor Who does that. Really simple idea. Mm-hmm. Draw a circle, stand in it, you'll be safe. The thing will protect you great idea love stuff like that um but yeah she she's all right it's nice to see the relationship with ace uh despite the acting like mm-hmm. you said the you get the character just about um there's a bit in it when they're talking about the explosions going boom where the director should have been on the ball <laughs> yeah. and completely lets everybody down because we should have had sort of zoom ins and you can totally see what the scene, how the scene was written yep. with them going boom and then there's going to be an actual boom and all that. But it just, yeah, completely falls flat um, on screen. Uh, but she, yeah, she's okay. She's passable, but she she ain't great. She ain't great. Uh, um, nice yeah. lady, though. Yeah, she's, yeah, she's in, yeah very nice. Um, the couple who run the pub. Um, now. Mm, mm. Now, what are they called? Yes, they are called... Um, all right. I think they're called June. Isn't the lady, the blind lady in the pub, is she called June? Yes, I think so, yeah. And um, her husband might be called James. Not sure. But what did you think of them? I thought they were an interesting... I quite liked her character. I thought there was a bit of mystery there Mm. because when the doctor first meets her, um, she's obviously blind, but she's got like a sort of sixth sense almost. She sort of knows what's going on with the, um, I've forgotten the name for these things that you put your sword into, what they're called. Oh, the... You know, the thing that's hanging on the wall. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. she's got like a sort, of, a sort of mystic Meg thing going on. Um, <laughs> so I quite like her, but I thought they were quite a good little addition to the story. I really like them. Mm, yeah. I think they're they're a really nice little... Because they're they're the only ones in it really in terms of supporting cast that I find even remotely believable. Yep. <laughs> I think they actually act the part really quite nicely. Um, I'm not saying they're great, but um, I certainly liked them, mm-hmm. and I felt I felt a bit of a uh, warmth towards them, mm-hmm. especially that scene where Morgane gives her her sight back to pay for Mordrin's tab. That's I thought right. it was a lovely lovely scene. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and they, but those two. Um, they're a nice little bit of supporting cast. I thought I, I really did like both of them. He's good as well. Like when she's being all, you know, all snooty when she's got a sight back, she's like, I can do it. And he's just like rolling his eyes, like the typical husband, like let her get on with it. Yeah. You know? So I, I liked those two and I agree with you about the mystery. The fact that she's blind, enhancing her senses that she picks up on the stuff around her that no one else has picked up on. Yeah. I like them. I like them a lot. Hmm. Not enough to know their names, but I like them. I'm sure it's June. <laughs> but I like them a lot. It's I June. I can't remember. I'm sure it's June and James or June and Noel. One oh, right. Um, yeah. One of the other guys that we're mixing the names up with, he's like the local farmer slash archaeologist oh, guy. Yeah. Um, 
not yeah. so strong on him. Yeah, again, acting not bit wooden. Bit wooden. Yeah. Mm. Um, what do you think to Morgan then, Gene Marsh? Gene Marsh, well, yeah, obviously she's got a good good connection to Doctor Who, and actually I really like her in this. Um, she's she's given the part to to go a bit over the top evil, <laughs> but I like it. I think she does it does does sort of bring it down to a, a sort of more subtle performance than perhaps we might have got. So I like her. I like her performance. Um, she comes across as evil, but she's got that other side to her. Like I said, when she gives that woman a sight back, the scene you mentioned when she's sort of thinking, well, these aren't terrible people. So there's, she's quite a sort of rounded character in perhaps mm-hmm. a sort of kind of ridiculous costume, I suppose. But I did like her performance. Yeah. Yeah. I thought she was okay. good as more game. Yeah. 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 Not too bad at all, actually. Um, and long fingernails as well. Very long fingernails, yeah. <laughs> right, um, the brig, brigadier. The brig. The, the proper brig. Yeah. I am going to say that I'm not a fan of him in this. He, it's strange, isn't it? Because we reviewed Mordrin Undead quote recently, and I really liked him in that, he and he felt great. like the same character. Mm-hmm. He doesn't, and I don't, again, I can't put my finger on it, but he doesn't quite feel like the same character in this. Um no. I don't know what it is, and I still like him in it. But yeah, I agree with you. He's not quite. I can't say he's on top form. I just can't say he's on top form in no. this. I can't but understand. he's still yeah. good. I can understand why they've gone with this. Like he's, you know, he's happily, well, sort of semi happily retired. He's got a lovely big house out in the country with his missus. He's yeah. all settled, you know. Um, but then when he does hear the doctor's name and he's he's suited up and he's back in business, I just wanted a bit more of the proper brig, you know. Maybe it is because he's a bit sidelined by Bambera a little bit. I, I just don't know. He just doesn't. He doesn't get a chance to shine, even at the end when he kind of saves the day, doesn't he? Hmm. You know, um, he's kind of like the the hero. Even that is is done in such a weak way. I thought it's more of his performance, though. Nicholas Courtney's mm. performance. It just doesn't feel like he wants to really be. He's like not in it as much as he should be. That's what it just feels like. He's just wants to do his takes. And then go, you know, that's just what it feels like. I mean, he's, don't get me wrong. He's still a great character. He's still good. Love Nicholas Courtney, but he's just in this one doesn't seem to, to have it. Yeah, no, I know exactly what you mean. I felt the same as well. Um, and uh, I, I mean, I, lo- I love Nick Courtney as the brig, but um, yeah, he didn't quite, even when they dust off old Bessie, even when they bring Bessie oh, out. Bessie, yeah. Yeah, and the, they've changed the number plate to Who yeah. Seven, um, but even then, it's just there's not enough. I don't know. It, it feels almost like a little bit like they're trying a bit too hard, actually. Mm. I, I thought, but um, yes. but he's okay. He's not. He's not bad in it. No, he's not bad know? at all. He's just and, not the usual brig that we're used to. Yeah, exactly. He's just not not quite as strong as. It's not his best story, um, which is interesting because they were originally planning to kill him off, weren't they? In this story, uh, this was to be his last when when the fight at the end uh, John Nathan Turner said to Nick Courtney I'd like to bring you back for one more story but we're gonna kill the brig off is that yeah. all right and apparently Nick was like yeah okay as long as it's a heroic death I'm fine with that um, and thank goodness they had a sort of last minute change of heart because mm. I don't think it would have been a good story for the brig to go out, to go out on it's not, not his best story and obviously right. he does pop up in the Sarah Jane Adventures uh, many years later, um, which probably wouldn't have happened if they'd killed him off in this. So mm-hmm. I'm glad they reversed that decision. I think it would have been a shame. Yes. It would, would not have been a good enough story to, to for such an iconic character to to be killed off in, I don't think. 
Absolutely. Mm. Uh, Ace. Ace. Uh, Ace. Again, I love Ace, but she's not. It's not her best. Yeah, she's not. I don't think either. I don't think Ace or the Doctor are quite up to their usual, because they're one of my favourite pairings. I love. I love the Seventh Doctor and Ace, mm-hmm. but uh, I don't think she's on top form in this either. Really, it's weird, isn't it? Because mm. she's good. Again, it's not a complaint yeah. as such. She is good. Um, Sophie Aldridge. She always gives it a. Well, most of the time she gives it a, you know, her all. You know, you can tell she's. <laughs> bit gusto to the performance yeah yeah and she's like that at certain scenes um but overall it's just yeah i don't know what it is she just doesn't feel like maybe it's because she nearly died while they were making it. oh the <laughs> drowning scene uh, with the sea i mean that yeah. actually that to be to be honest the drowning scene aside that that bit where they're they're running away from that snake digital snake mm-hmm. is one of the worst bits in the story. I mean, yes. the prat falling and the sets and everything about that whole end to episode two, it was enough to put the final nail in the show. I would say it's absolutely dreadful. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just la- It was laughable then and it looks even worse now, but obviously that did lead on to Sophie Eldred being in that water tank. And I'm sure a lot of our listeners know famously, she nearly died because the tank wasn't built strong enough to hold the water pressure and it cracked and you can actually see it all cracked in the mm-hmm. one shot, can't you? As she's that's being right. lifted out and that's her actually being lifted out to safety that they use in the show. Um, but if it wasn't for Sylvester McCoy shouting, get her out of there, I think she'd have been in the middle of a load of water and electric cables, uh, right. which would not have mm-hmm. been good. So that was a real close call. Um, and it's, it's every time I watch that scene, it's all I can think of is, uh, yeah, she's because she's obviously in, in peril in the show, which is completely <laughs> unconvincing. What? Because she runs in and says it's a dead end. It's like, yeah, you could, it's, it's like the size of a wardrobe. Of course, it's a dead end. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it's such a ridiculous scene. But it is, um, it's sort of made quite shocking by the fact that we know what happened mm-hmm. during the making of that. So maybe that had a knock-on effect because, yeah, it's pretty terrifying, really. Mm. Yeah, but she's not. She's okay. Again, she's just okay. She's okay. Yeah. 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 And the same applies, really, to Mr. McCoy. He's, he's good. He is good. I think he's better than okay. I think he is good still, but he's just not quite hitting the mark. Like, I think he get you know, in this very short series, you know, he does, he does, he's much better in the, the next few. In oh, this well, ghost light, yeah. Much better. Yeah. And he was much better in the previous series leading up to this. Maybe it's because it's the first one. Maybe there was rumours abound and it was just wasn't quite you know, ticking all the boxes in terms of story and scripts. I don't know, but it just feels like him and Sophie Aldridge just weren't quite up to where we normally enjoy their characters' performance, uh, mm. their actors' performances, you know. So, again, I just exactly the same applies to him than it does to Sophie Aldridge. Good still, um, but just not quite there. Yeah, because he has, does a lot. Yeah, I do because he does a lot of shouting at the end, doesn't he? When he's like, he's in, he's threatening to kill Mordred, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And he's like, "I will, do, there will be no bloodshed or whatever he's shouting." Um, and he, yeah, he's just—I don't know—he's just not quite on top of his game on this one. I wouldn't say mm-hmm. uh, still good, mm-hmm. but just yeah. And the thing is, I think he should have shined a bit more because he's got the whole Merlin thing going on. Um, which adds a sense of mystery to it. And, you know, like his voice can open a door because he's Merlin and they don't really explore that much. So he could have gone for it a bit more, I think, yeah. Yeah, in this one. But again, I, I get the feeling there was a lot 
sort of trouble behind the scenes on this. I just get the feeling it wasn't gelling when they were making this. And yeah, you do get that feeling. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So, anything else you want to mention, buddy? Before we do some scoreage? Um, no, I think we've pretty much covered it. To be honest, yeah. Right. Whose turn is it to go first? I think it's me. This it's week. you this week. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I will give this a five point five. Oh, well, Joe, I thought you were going to go higher than me on this um, because I'm giving it a 5.5 as well. (laughs) I thought you'd go higher for some reason. Really? Yeah, I don't know why. I thought you might like it a little bit more than me, but 5.5, yeah, can't go any higher than that. Um, Just touching on what you just said, actually, about perhaps they knew behind the scenes that things weren't great does make me think of the very first scene in the TARDIS where they haven't even got the TARDIS walls anymore because they've been binned. Yeah. Perhaps, you know, perhaps when Sylv walked onto set that day and saw these sheets of paper with circles drawn on them and the lights all turned down, he thought, oh, we <laughs> this don't look bill. good. <laughs> yeah, because that's, uh, that's weird, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's a bit odd, to say the least. You they can got, tell from yeah. a mile off that the roundels, you know, they're not proper. Yeah, well, so, the, the, yeah, they got scrapped. They accidentally threw the TARDIS walls away in between the last right. series of this one. So they thought, oh, they, you'd have thought they'd have noticed before they went into production, though, rather than thinking, oh, quick, we'll have to knock something up <laughs> in yep. the back room. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. What did you guys think to this one? Uh, let's kick off with uh, one of our audio reviews. This is Russ Hilton. Hi, guys. For me, Battlefield is one of the jewels in the Seventh Doctor era crown. McCoy is at his mysterious best. Sophie Aldred finds a kindred spirit in Xu Ying, and we meet Brigadier Winifred Bambera, as well as unit original Brigadier Sir Alistair Gordon Lethbridge-Stewart, though of course he's not been knighted at this point in his illustrious career. Of course it's no secret that the plan was to kill off the Brig in this story, but writer Ben Aranovich openly admitted that when he came to it, he just couldn't do it. At the time I was happy with that decision, but with the benefit of having seen Death in Heaven, I can't help but think that killing off the Brigadier while he was doing something that he so loved doing would have been the better option. However, that doesn't stop Battlefield being a brilliant story. Seven is outstanding in this romp, keeping the balance between the mystery of the Doctor and his being completely in control at all times perfectly. Sophie Aldridge shines alongside Ling Ti as Xu Ying. Their teenage minds and mindsets meeting perfectly, and I'd have loved to have seen Xu Ying join the TARDIS crew after this adventure. Then we have the fantastic Angela Bruce as Brigadier Winifred Bambera. Gun-toting in much the same way as Lethbridge Stewart, but at the same time a complete departure for unit. A brilliantly written strong female lead. Bruce makes the character of Bambera her own from her very first scene, and if you've not yet listened to it, she does exactly the same in the Seventh Doctor Lost Stories audio, Animal. As for the storyline and plot, the whole Arthurian theme was a brilliant idea that added to the mystery of the Doctor, and rattled along at a great pace for Classic Who. Great battle scenes, some great CGI for the time, and the Doctor doing what he does best at the end, by talking the villain of the piece down. All in all, this was an excellent story with great repeat-watching value, and I can't find anything to fault in it. A definite 10 out of 10 for me. Great show, guys. Keep up the good work, and KBO. Wow, very different uh, opinions there, Russ, from us. Very different, yeah, quite surprising, actually, yeah. I hope he's sticked with the review. He may have switched off. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool, though. Um, if you found yeah. something, to, I mean, it sounds like you really, really enjoy this one, which is great, so if mm. you found something to like, that's all good. Um, yeah. Let's head over to Twitter. Uh, George Garrity says, another Sylv classic. 
love the plot on this one, even if the Merlin plot was um, uh, was resolved, was meant to be done in the next season, but after cancellation, went into the book Lung Barrow. Ah, yes, which is available for £1,000 on eBay. Of course. Um, actors are all great. Brilliant to see the brig return. The Destroyer was such a cool monster. Love this one. 8.5. Wow. Cool. Yeah. Uh, let's do our second audio review. This is Loopy Loo. Well, anything with the old brig in it is fine by me. Mm. Kind of sweet seeing him in retirement. So, okay, this is a pretty bad episode, but it's kind of so bad it's good, you know. <laughs> The music and the fight scenes are awful, but everything else is fine. Ace is great, and I even like Sylv okay in this one. I don't remember the Seventh Doctor being able to do a master-like psycho trickery on people. That was a surprise. I don't remember that from before. Funny how Ace didn't like the brig at first, but I'm glad they bonded over explosions in the end. Uh, Okay Mm -hmm. story. I give it six out of ten. Cool. Thanks, Lou. Yeah, I agree with a lot of that, actually. Yeah. Mm. Thank you very much. I don't like Ace calling the brig a moron. Didn't like that. Mm, not good. No. Rightio. On Facebook, Sammy Satine uh, says, so Morgan, Morgan, sorry, thinks the Doctor is Merlin and does the rest of the night, including her son, Mordred. Some reason she gets, she has decided this would, uh, this should, um, this world should perish, but she gives an old lady her sight back, which is a nice gesture. Uh, meanwhile, unit, are around um, and bring with them uh, the not really so retired Brigadier. And added bonus, we get to see Bessie again. Uh, I love that car. I love the Brigadier. I love the story. Um, I love the Arthurian, Arthurian, Arthurian legend aspect to it. It's never boring, easy to understand, and I find it entertaining. Uh, I also like the ending. Sylvester in his usual brilliant self. Sophie is excellent. Uh, Nicholas is also excellent as the unflappable Brigadier. I can't find much fault with everyone. With everyone else, 9.5. Wow, another high score. Nice one, Sammy. Mm. Miles McKenzie says, uh, been getting Seventh Doctor vibes lately, and I've got to admit, this is one of the weakest stories of his time. The reason why I watch it mostly because of the Brigadier. Title sounds like a very good story, but for me, it just doesn't deliver. Uh, Seventh Doctor and Ace are fantastic as always. Um, I do think they're one of the greatest duos of all who. Uh, but Battlefield is a four out of ten for me. Mm. Lewis Palmer says Battlefield is a pretty cool story um, decent action, great characters and a monster that is gorgeously brought to life with animatronics um, didn't take to Bambera as much though uh, I love the line you stupid thick headed numbskull you were supposed to die in <laughs> bed very mean um, if anything else my main criticisms are that it's quite forgettable and I don't like that there are stakes I don't really like the stakes of the story 7 out of 10 Okay. Yeah. Uh, Danny Brown, Battlefield, not exactly a bad story, but it's really not that good either. Uh, shoved in the middle of a great season of Who and fails to display many memorable moments. Although the Destroyer is fantastic, it's only on screen for a matter of seconds before it's gone. Uh, I could sum up Battlefield. Um, it's likeable, but lacking any great story. 6.5. Mm-hmm. Joseph Howarth says, while this isn't a bad story, I do feel that Battlefield did have some good ideas in that very short and uh, in that very story, but ultimately it was let down by bad acting, below par, below par fight scenes, unfitting music, um, which is only second to Remembrance of the Daleks in terms of bad music, um, too many supporting characters to care or worry about. Um, it's a serviceable story, but something I would not something I'd return to. Um, probably the weakest story in an otherwise stellar season. Five out of ten. George Coppen says, love it. One of the best Seventh Doctor episodes. Nice to see the Brig one last time. Real shame it was the last time. The Destroyer is fantastic. And the Doctor and Ace do an outstanding job. Nine out of ten. 
Wow. Finn Walsh. Uh, pretty much decent story. Love the tone and lighting. Definitely got me immersed in the story. Uh, something modern who needs more of. Uh, it had great characters and easy to watch. No complaints as it fits my type of Doctor Who story. It gives it a strong 8 out of 10. Mark Atkinson says, uh, on original transmission, this was actually my favourite story of season 26. Uh, it slipped a bit in my estimations since then and has not aged well. The Destroyer is uh, a great Who monster and, and it was great to see the brig back. Uh, it looks a little cheap these days, but for me, 7.5. Mm, cheers, Mark. And lastly, Stan Stacy Gallagher says, pretty good story, had a great cast, mixing medieval with sci-fi. Mm. There we go. Um, Quite anything, a lot of positivity there. Yeah. Anything on the Geek's Handbag? Yeah, we had a couple. Um, we had uh, Adam Time Lord Fishwick. He says it's a brilliant story, especially with the Brigadier. Uh, Patrick Wolseley agrees with Adam and says it's his favourite too. Charlie Turner says, surprisingly, I haven't haven't seen nor got it yet but from what i know about it it's a good story according to fans correct me if i'm wrong <laughs> uh well it, i don't know we seem to be i i would say there's more positivity than negativity so i don't mm. know give it a watch see what you think and finally patrick sherwood says i love this story episode it's my favorite episode from the seventh doctor era of all time oh my goodness me goodness me yeah um <laughs> right, yeah, well, thank you very much for that. A real mixed bag there. Some of you loving it. Uh, some of you agreeing with us. Not that great. Mm. Um, what are we going to do next week? Uh, next week, well, we'll be following up our uh, Aliens of London review with uh, our review of World War Three. So back to the Ninth Doctor to find out how those farting aliens are getting on and uh, tying that one up. Sure, yeah. good beans. Right, I think we're going to do there for 106. Okay. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for joining us for 106. Interesting story, this one. Um, yeah, we might have to watch the extended version to see what we're missing on that one. Yeah, I think so, yeah. Yeah. Um, rightio, uh, next week we're looking forward to, well, uh, sorry, yeah, World War Three. It's going to be very good. Uh, head over to the website, www.bigblueboxpodcast.com. You can listen to all the previous episodes and you can also link off to social media and iTunes and subscribe and all that jazz. Remember to check out Adam's channel, The Geek's Handbag. Find him on YouTube and Facebook. Some great videos there. Um, give him a like, a subscribe, and all that jazz. Um, once again, thank you for singing all your clips. It's been really good. Really looking forward to what you feel on the conclusion to the Night Story, Night Doctor Story, um, World War Three. It's going to be a good one. Um, right, until next week, my name's Gary. My name's Adam. And remember... Uh, hey.